You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with a spooky edition, a Halloween episode. Andy and I are here on a Saturday morning. It's Halloween. Andy, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I, I'm i doing good. Uh, it's hot in this polyester mask, but anything for, for, you know, with Halloween being kind of compromised with COVID, we have to do our best to, to bring Halloween to the people. So I'm doing good. It's a, it's a brisk fall, uh, spooky Saturday afternoon. So, uh, and then I was told that you have a little game uh, to play after I unleashed a game on you last time, you have one to unleash on me. So I don't, I'm a little scared and nervous about that. But other than that, I'm doing good. Yeah, no, it's, uh, first off, today was a brisk morning. It was so cold. I mean, it's, I feel like it's been the coldest day of the year so far. So, uh, yeah, Halloween is in full effect. Uh, I'm dressed as uh, Wilma Flintstone, I believe it is. And, yeah, so I, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm in the Halloween spirit. And we do have a little game to play, but I know you, you know, first wanted to get into some of the New York Ranger prospect news that uh, pleasantly, you know, hit us this week. Yeah. So, um, for, so first of all, three, three Rangers prospects were named to Team Canada's uh, selection camp for the World Junior Championships, which, as we know, will be played in Alberta in a bubble. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Braden Schneider selected uh 19th overall uh in the the draft that just passed matthew robertson who was i think 32nd or 31st overall uh steal for the rangers defenseman uh selected last year and then uh dylan garand was selected as well the goaltender we just drafted this year um obviously you know i i saw that tom rennie former rangers coach who i don't know how he factors into team canada i don't know if he's like the general manager of hockey canner or just if he's involved with the the front office there but he apparently reached out to the rangers to see if alexi lafreniere would be available uh and apparently both sides are going to talk about it and circle back next week but um yeah it, it's be interesting because now we see more and more leagues are pushing their start dates whereas originally they wanted to start you know initially we'd heard late december then january 1st and now you have the ahl and the, the ohl looking to start 
uh, closer to February 1st. If the NHL does suit, that's a long time for prospects to not have touched, a, you know, played any meaningful competitive hockey. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, more guys, even if they've already, you know, dipped their toes into the NHL. We saw Chicago already released Kirby Doc uh, to go. But I think if training camp starts up while, you know, I think they'll pull him eventually. So I assume they do the same thing with a Lafreniere. But yeah, I mean, both those play, you know, Doc played in the bubble, but Lafreniere hasn't played hockey and, you know, since uh, his uh, QMJHL season ended, what, in March? So that's a long time, man. So yeah, I, I would be all for him going. Yeah. I mean, if you're the New York Rangers, you got to be, you know, itching for these guys to go just to get their legs underneath them and, and just to, you know, get the feel for the game back. And, you know, cause, you know, going into the NHL, especially with Lafreniere, obviously going to be on our roster next year, going to be playing NHL minutes. You're not going to want him to come in ice cold into camp. And, you know, I know camp is, is supposed to be the warm up, but there's nothing like, you know, replicating a game situation. And, you know, for him to play with, you know, the best Canadian juniors in the world, I think that would be a nice little warm up, a nice little treat for the New York Rangers to see, you know, how he's, you know, making out and just to get his legs back before camp. And this way he's, you know, going into camp with an established base and not just, you know, raw, like you said, sitting around since March. So I think it's super important that the Rangers let him go. Um, more importantly, do you think, not more importantly, but do you think Kako ends up going for Sweden? Uh, oh, yeah, for Finland? Yeah, yeah I I'm mean. Sorry, Finland. Finland. No, that's all right. Um, you know, that I don't know. Like I said, Kirby Doc was released by Chicago to go, and I think that's only on the basis that uh, he can be recalled immediately if training camp starts up. Uh, but I think if in case it is going to get pushed, they do want him playing. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kako didn't the thing is Kako didn't play in the uh the world juniors last year last yeah. summer he chose because he was going to go to the world championships because he's been playing against men so i think he, even him more so than i think he sees himself as an nhl pro and you know i think doc to the same extent i just thought they thought it would be uh chicago thought it would be good just for because he's still young to get to get those reps under him but i lafreniere i wouldn't be surprised if he went and then got pulled i don't think Kako ends up going um but i think the the good thing about this world juniors is that a with you have proof of concept with the NHL playoffs successfully being pulled off in the bubble, they will have a bubble world junior bubble in Alberta. I think you're going to see a lot of guys that are maybe AHL players, but haven't reached the NHL yet, who are maybe two years removed from being drafted. If they're still eligible, they'll definitely go. So I think the quality of competition for this world junior should be extremely high. Cause I mean, if you think about it, uh, like I said, all those guys that are playing in the A that are so close to making it, all of a sudden, if you have a Kirby Doc and, and Lafreniere, and if, uh, you know, for the USA, if Jack Hughes, if the Devils choose Jack, who hasn't played in a long time, because he, you know, the Devils weren't in the bubble. So if Jack Hughes goes for Team USA, uh, and a bunch, yeah, I don't know how that would factor in with, with uh, I don't know what the rules are with the NCAA guys, but yeah, I mean, Cole Caulfield if go, goes for Montreal. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be pretty interesting. And I think the quality of competition would be very high. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see Lafreniere getting loaned by the Rangers. You know, I think they're, they're, he wants, I think he sees himself as a pro and has not that he has much left to choose, but he hasn't played hockey in a while. And I think that's the only reason why I think they might lean towards getting like similar to Kirby Doc. We'll let him go 
But if it looks like the season's ramping up, we're just going to pull him. Like he's going to play his first NHL game for the Rangers because, you know, he 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 dummied that tournament uh, last year despite being hurt. So, I mean, it would be. But like I said, the quality of competition might be a little bit higher than usual this year. You might have guys who are a little bit more senior. So, yeah, and who just, knows? it just gives him an opportunity to get his legs back before entering an NHL camp, which you know, obviously is a completely different animal. And I know you can't replicate an NHL game, but, you know, just to get the feel for the game back, you know, since he's been off since March is, is, is pretty important. Um, I also think that, you know, with these teams making a decision to let some of their players go, I, I do think that like, that's a good way to speculate when these owners and, you know, GMs have an idea of when they actually think camp is going to start and, and the season's going to start because if they're getting, you know, feedback that, you know, we're not going to start till, you know, late February or something like that, then they might be more privy to letting these kids play in this tournament and then be able to run into a, a full camp and then start the season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think, I think the biggest thing is that uh, it's going to be, at least the big clubs will probably have a way more hands-on approach with their prospects because I think you're going to see a lot wanting to have short leashes on them say if, if things are going to gear up all of a sudden they want to be able to pull them but at the same time i think they like having that certainty that they could just leave them there and they could play you know some organized hockey uh should the the start date for you know get pushed beyond january 1st um yeah i mean a lot of interesting prospect news i know you and i were talking about this off air but uh apparently the ohl is thinking about removing hitting from their season this league so i mean you know, the Rangers have, uh, you know, Evan Veerling plays in the OHL. So, you know, he, I will imagine, I, I'm curious to see that. I do wonder how many NHL teams try to get their prospects to play other places. Cause I, I don't, a year without contact, contact or is- I don't, I don't even, I don't even know, can't begin to speculate how that would go. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of speak. It left me kind of speechless. Cause I just, first of all, and, and I'm sure you'll, we'll get into this, but it doesn't seem like that's the should be the bone of contention with this. I think that's one of the the areas in which you are definitely more safe because it's you know it's you have equipment on you. It's a quick shoulder. It's not like you know it's not like you're wrapping a guy up. It's you know or you're in a face off where you're huddling where you're putting your faces in each other's face. Like I just don't understand it. Yeah, and the the face off. I mean, the two centers. That's like the most face to face time you'll get all game hitting i mean that's quick i don't think people realize like how quick you're you're you know it's not like you're wrapping someone up but the fact that you can't make contact and hit and go is kind of absurd to me uh you know obviously we all know the the women's game doesn't have you know it's not supposed to have hitting but i, I don't know i i seen watching their game i mean they're just as physical and they kind of just let things go so i'm kind of hoping for you know those players sake that it's a little bit physical but those huge hits you won't really see. But along the boards, there's got to be some sort of physical activity. I mean, that's like literally like a, a huge aspect of the game and such an advantage for teams. Like if you're a grinding team, you, you're pretty much like a shell this season. Yeah. And I mean, you think about it, you know, thank God a prospect like Braden Schneider for the Rangers plays in the, in the Western Hockey League because that's such, you know, his ability, the range, the reason the Rangers selected him is that he is so good at timing his hits to separate man from puck, but you know, not in like a reckless way, but in a, just time it and then just literally smother a guy on the boards, neutralize him, or, you know, just separate him from the puck and then just keep playing just those quick 
contact hits that are perfectly timed and, you know, you don't have time to brace for. So then you, you know, the guy's left on the ice and then his team, you can either him, him or a teammate can corral the puck and go up ice, you know? So, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, uh, Evan Veerling plays in the OHL, so it'll be interesting to see if the Rangers or if this ends up standing, um, you know, if if teams are tried to negotiate to get their prospects to either play overseas or maybe move to a, a Western League team or even a Q team. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I think I, I, it's short sighted and doesn't make really much sense in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I could see this definitely changing after some of the feedback. I don't see a single person in the hockey world defending this move. So I definitely think there's room for it to, to switch back. And I think yeah. once you start seeing some of the, the higher end talent and the NHL getting involved to maybe move some of their prospects, then the league might sit back and say, all right, are we doing the best thing for this league right now? Because this is getting a little ridiculous. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen like Don Cherry on uh, Canadian television with like oh my God. with like wearing all black and like ha- having a eulogy for for hockey. You know, uh, yeah, it's like dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the loss of our great game. It, they've killed it. They've buried it. It's done. <laughs> no more. You know, so that's actually a pretty good impression. It's just it's a lot of like hand like his always hitting and what you're gonna do thumbs up you know yeah so, but um you know man it just and listen we know this is this is coming from uh Ontario the province of Ontario it's not coming from Hockey Canada I they don't want this you know I think if anything they they that's what they absolutely love you look at some of what they you know you know good old Canadian boy hockey they they pride the physicality element of it so um sorry this mask is very very you can, you can take it off if you if you no want. no it's it's all, all it's all as the as the title of the episode says it's all hallows eve and i am committed and i will i might be a sweaty mess under here when it's done but i'm, I'm gonna leave it on right. um but yeah man it's just you know there's so many other things that you could they could be focusing their efforts on even if it was one of those things that they made them you know i saw bauer has those new little like like yeah. you know and listen i understand it might make it difficult to to breathe, especially, you know, in a game like hockey, but it's just, I think this is literally just one of the, it just doesn't, I don't listen. And I'm not, I don't have the science on it and I don't know what they're, what they're, what numbers they have to think that that hitting is what factors into uh, a higher uh, potential transmission rate. But I would say things, you know, sitting next to your buddies on the bench, trying to catch your wind, I think what you would imagine would be more, uh, yeah. susceptible to traveling so i don't like you know whether it's not about talking expanding benches or like yeah i just that are they this, allowed that, to celebrate after a goal i don't know maybe you could do the shoulder you know i just they don't huddle. i don't i have no idea I, I just know right now this is what everyone's talking about but you know but listen we haven't heard in a response from hockey canada yet and from the ohl we know that's what the province is trying to give them an ultimatum so who knows if they work something out but because I, you know, I assume there's, because I haven't seen outside of the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the Ontario local government, I haven't seen anyone who has been in support of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I guess, I guess we'll see, but that's an ongoing story to, to look at, but yeah, it'll be interesting that if they, if uh, the OHL decides, or at least the province of Ontario decides not to budge on their uh, mandatory, no contact, it'll be interesting to see if teams try to move their prospects elsewhere because you know, if you're trying to get them ready for the NHL and they go a year without playing with contact, they're in for a rude awakening when they make that next step. Yeah. And I, from experience playing growing up, I mean, if you're hitting 
is like half the battle, like of getting into hockey shape. Like you give a hit, take a hit, and you're getting off the ice because you're are winded. And it's not until you hit like you know a quarter of the season where you you feel like you can get banged up a little bit and still keep your breath. So, um, but you want to get into the game, the little Halloween game we got going on. Yeah. Uh, when you uh, told me that you had something to a little game you wanted to play with me, I was kind of nervous because I know I, I blindsided you on our last podcast. So. But it's only fair that if uh, it's your turn now, so I'm ready whenever you are. So all right. So to explain the aspect of the game, I'm going to ask you 13 spooky predictions for next year, and you got to tell me if they if I'm tricking you or if it's if I'm giving you a treat. So you have to pretend that I already watched next season, a full 82 game season. Okay. And whether I'm tricking you or giving you a little treat of what you'll see next year. All right. That sounds good for me. I trick or treat. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I'm uh, well, I'm ready whenever you are. All right. So the, the first one was Mika Zibanejad was named captain. Am I tricking you or am I giving you a treat? Uh, I think you're tricking me. I wish it was a treat, but I think you're tricking me because the longer, you know, it feels like with the last few seasons, Rangers fans saying, you know, it's like, give Mika the C, give Mika the C, give Mika the C. And then all of a sudden that drafting Lafreniere, who I think it's probably a not, it's not a great kept secret that they want to put that C on him one day. And also you look at Mika's contract coming up, uh, what, at the, not uh, at the end of next season uh, or or starting next season, I forget. But yeah, I think... I want I want him to wear the C. I think he's earned it, but I think you're tricking me. I think they're not going to put it on him just because with everything John Davidson has kept saying about we're trying to re- you know, remain patient. Um, and obviously Lafreniere, uh, them landing him in their lap. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a part of them that is afraid, you know, especially if, uh, and you know what, honestly, all this news about Jack Eichel in, uh, you know, there, I think, I think it's just, there's just enough other things on their mind that it, it's kind of, they, they're a little hasty about, you know, there's some organizations that don't mind just putting a C on a guy every two years and changing it up or, but I think the Rangers, they're kind of protective of that stuff. Clearly, you know, the Rangers, what they haven't had a captain in four seasons now going on five. So, yeah. so yeah, I think they're going to hold off. And I think whenever, whoever gets it, it's going to be important and they're going to put it on someone they think will wear it for a while. And I, I don't think they view Chris Kreider in that way. So I don't think he'll get it, uh, even though they have the certainty with his contract. But no, I'm going to say, unfortunately, I'm going to say that's it. You're playing, a, you're playing a little trick on me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I tend to agree. I tend to lean that way only because there's never, there's not really another clear cut guy. So if you're telling me I have to pick a captain right now on the team, I'm going to say Mika Zibanejad, but it doesn't mean that the Rangers are looking to uh, name him captain right away. I definitely think they want to at least play out this year. It's going to be a weird year, so the, I don't think there really needs to be uh, any move towards naming a captain and throwing a C on a jersey. Uh, Rangers like to give out A's like they're, you know, the roll to tape. So I, I think you'll see half the team wear an A before a captain's made. Yeah, they give them out like they're candy corn. Yeah, well, yeah. and no one, no one, no one wants them, but they're there. But there's Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith wearing an A for some reason on the road. Yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I, I, again, maybe one of the weirdest things that the Rangers do is just the who gets the A, and they, yeah. I feel like it's just like a rotate 
rotating thing or they just like randomly select two jerseys without looking at them and they slap a's on them exactly uh it you know i know this might not be part of the game but it will be interesting to see with yes for fossa mark Stahl leaving who gets the a's you know i'm sure truba might wear an a sometimes but that would probably leave one more floating around so yeah i wonder if i don't know if they give panarin an a he doesn't really strike me as a you know, like Kane for a while, it took them a while to even slap an A on Kane just because of, you know, being more of the superstar scorer and not so much the guy who's like talking to the linesman in between plays. But yeah, we'll yeah. see. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I almost feel like the bread man is too good to even wear a letter, you know? Just uh, yeah, like... fo- let him focus on his offense and not on uh, arguing about whether or not, uh, you know, he was a guy was offside or not. Right, right. All right. So my second spooky prediction is Henrik Lundqvist didn't beat the New York Rangers at all last season. Oh, man. It would be very... I'm going to say that's a treat because... Oh, it didn't beat... Oh, didn't beat the New York Rangers. It didn't beat the New York Rangers. Um, I'm going to say that's a trick. I could... Because... I could see history repeating himself just like Eddie Jackman coming into Madison Square Garden after getting traded to the Detroit Red Wings and uh, beating them and with the, the, the MSG faithful chanting for him. I could see history repeating itself. Uh, I also know Lundquist is a prideful guy. So it would be... It, did you ever see this, the scene in one of the early Family Guy episodes where they go to jail and Peter's in jail with the, the guy who's like a murderer? And then he's like going to shank him, but then he gets out the last time and the guy's just sitting on the bed. And he goes, oh man, man, I wonder what this feels like. And he goes, ow, that really hurt, man. I belong in here. I almost feel like it'll be kind of like Rangers fans experiencing getting like stoned by Lundquist. They'll be like, so that's what that feels like. Like, wow, yeah, I, I definitely, especially it's like, you know, the Capitals will allow uh, 40, 43 shots, but you know, Hank will just stand on his head, just turn back time you know, like he did against Carolina in that one game. Cause he's always, you know, he, he's got less of a minimum, but he can still pull it out every now and then. And when you do, it's just frustrating because it looks like he's just sometimes hanging on by a thread, but he just stops everything. So I'm going to say that's a trick. I think Lundquist, I could see, yeah, I could see him. I could see the cat, you know, especially Laviolette. I think he's a guy who would like enjoy letting Lundquist like come in and beat the Rangers either in MSG or, uh, there, oh, there, that, there, yeah. there will definitely be a Henrik Henrik chant at, at if he makes a save. Yeah, if he makes every single save he gets. I mean, the place is going to get nuts. It's going to be so weird for Igor or Georgie, whoever's you know playing against them. Yeah, right? when you see the other goalies, you know, name getting chanted in the garden for making saves. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, I think because like I had said with Eddie Jockman, it being such a uh, a historic event in Rangers history. I, you know, people like to try to recreate that shit. So I think they'll do the same thing there. I think they would almost be looking to, to, you know, pump his tires, you know? So do you think on the small chance, do you think uh, Washington protects Lundquist a little bit and doesn't allow him to play at the garden or against the Rangers at all? Um, I don't know. Cause Laviolette doesn't strike me as that guy. And Lundquist also is, kind of a prideful guy that he would want it. I don't think he'd want to just sit on the bench with his hair shellacked with, with the gel uh, at the garden, not get a net, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It may be Samsonov is like, 
is off to a hot start and he's their guy and they have to ride him. It, I think it depends on when they, they meet in the season too. Like if it's early on, I think he's definitely playing, but if they were, if it's down the stretch and Samsonov is hot, uh, I don't know, man, you know? Yeah, no, I just, it's something that I want to see happen. So I'm a little bit worried that the NHL will find a way to take it away from me. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, that's probably what happened. All right. Question or I guess spooky statement. number three, Jack Johnson scored 15 points. I'm going to, you're, you're, I'm going to, once again, I'm going to say you're, you're tricking me. What did, what did Mark Stahl end up with? This uh, year? I, I believe he ended up with like 14. Ah, man. Well, oh man. I, I hope it's weird. Be, I don't, it's not, you know, obviously I hope he scores that many points because I, everyone's so hard at, on the signing, but uh, Mark Stahl finished with 11. Okay. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to four for four. I, I, you're, you're tricking me. That's a trick because right. I, you know, I just don't I'm hope. Well, a, I'm hoping he gets beat out by a potato or, uh, you know, uh, someone surprises like a reunion and comes in and surprises in camp or something. But, uh, I'm hoping he doesn't see much ice time this, this season, but, um, I just don't, whether it's ice time or just his, what's left in the tank for Jack Johnson, I don't see it, you know? Yeah. Especially with Mark Stahl trying to get favorable uh, offensive zone starts and he still only hit like 11. So here's the thing. I almost feel like that everyone's expecting him to be so bad that he's going to get to a hot start where he ends up with like nine points in the first like 20 games. And everyone's going to be like, whoa, like, like, can you believe it? Like, the Rangers yeah. are working magic and then, here. And then I, they're going to extend him, and then he's going to turn, get even worse. And then, you know. Well, I don't know about the extension. I won't go that far. <laughs> but I'm saying he'll turn back into a pumpkin the second, you know, the last uh, 60 games of the schedule. Yeah. When, have when, when, when he's, like, got uh, David Quinn's trust and, and all that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, I wanted to rile you up with that one because I know how much you uh, are. <laughs> That keeps yeah. you up at night. That's oh man, yeah, it does. Okay, all right. Um, the Rangers reverse classic four thousand NHL Supreme jersey event was a success. So I don't know what to call it, but I feel like they just call it the reverse jersey extravaganza. There's like a yeah. new name every time I go onto Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, Rangers are getting two new jerseys. Will they be a success? And you know, will you be getting one? And who do you uh, get? I think one is going to be nice and i'll like it i think one's gonna be absolutely hideous and i won't get it so i'm gonna call that a success though okay honestly so i'm gonna say it's a treat uh i because you know and i think it depends on who you ask because obviously fans have been based on the fact that uh you know now fans who were in their early teenage years or formidable years when they when the rangers were wearing the lady liberty jerseys now they're in their thirties and they have some more, uh, some money to burn, you know, they're probably the, the prime, uh, target audience for buying jerseys. So yeah, I, I assume they're going to try to bring back lady Liberty in some form. You and I have made it known that we love, we love the Rangers winter classic jerseys against the flyers, that cream Jersey with the, with the, 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 yeah. the modified crest. Yes. If they do something with that, I love the look of a cream color jersey, just like a old timey, you know, and the Rangers love to tap into the the old school stuff. So if they do one like that and one that's a little bit more sleeker take on a Lady Liberty and one of them looks good, I'll probably that's the one I'll get because they don't, you know, they don't produce jerseys that often where other teams, they have like a new jersey, 
three new jerseys every season. You know, Car- what Carolina is going on how many jerseys in the last few years? You know, yeah, or I mean, Dallas and you know. well, Dallas, the new ones. I mean, what do you think of those? Um, I think it'll look cool when they come out for you know when uh, for on ice intros with the black lights and everything. It'll look like Tron, and it'll be a really cool effect. And then you'll have to play, and it'll just look really weird. Especially if you know it'll be weird watching them play. Like they wear that jersey, and imagine, uh, like the the Winnipeg Jets wear their their classic heritage jersey. That's a yeah. bit old school, cleaner looking. Or even the Flames now that they're kind of going a retro direction. Then it'll look weird because it's like it'll be one thing when you have two teams that are wearing jerseys that are a little bit more modern. So who knows? Maybe you know they play Tampa or the Canes, and it'll look uh, interesting. But sometimes I think it'll look like a fish out of water. But I think it'll be a cool effect for you know if they wear it when they come out on the ice and they're all it's all green and stuff but then like i said then the puck drops and the lights are on it's bright and it's in uh yeah i don't know it'll maybe it'll look, i don't know if it'll look offensive to the eyes i have no idea yet but i'm i'm leaning towards it'll be kind of weird to look at yeah i haven't made my decision yet i haven't i have to see the jerseys in person because everyone who sees them in person usually tends to like them and every picture you get, the jerseys look a different color. I got like light shining. It looks like, you know, something's on on my face. Look at my nose. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to hold withhold my judgment until I actually see them in person. You know, when we uh, walk into the NHL store in New York City, we'll uh, uh, hopefully get a get a better look at them. Well said. All right. So my next spooky prediction is Igor had 24 wins uh well even if they shorten the season i think he's gonna get the light there the speculation is there will be a lot more bet you know uh tandem starts just based on how condensed the schedule might be i think 24 wins is, is a treat i think it's a treat i think igor can get 24 okay. wins uh okay. yeah i think you know i think the fact that him and Georgiev are kind of going to be pushing each other a bit, you know, especially with you're going to be forced to do back to back. There's going to have to be one upsmanship. I think it keeps both guys sharp. Whereas it's when you're in that, the regular under normal circumstances, the regular season, like this guy's going to get a few games and then maybe it might take a, a bit for a guy to get in. It starts to, you know, it's one of those things where if you have a bad game, you're going to have a chance to redeem yourself pretty quick. Yeah. Especially with the condensed schedule. If they're, if they're going, you know, every, every two days you're going to need it's just, it doesn't matter who's hot. You're just going to have to need to give guys rest. So I do think that I think 24 wins for Igor is, uh, is very, is very likely. Uh, yeah. I, I also think, uh, you know, teams that are, I got this thing on my face. The teams <laughs> are that, you know, the teams that are going to be at the top of the standings, I'm going to predict that their starting goaltender is up in the upper 20s. I don't know. It's going to be tough for a goalie to get 30 if they're really platooning. Yeah. I, would, I would say then that they're really riding that goalie uh, and they don't trust their backup. So, you know, anywhere in the mid-20s, huge success for Igor and kind of shows you that, you know, the Rangers are kind of trusting him with the majority of the starts, which will be big, which will certainly be big this year. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think if with the Rangers, obviously you have two good options, but if they, if one of those guys gets hurt, because obviously in a shortened season with that many back-to-backs and less time to rest, it's definitely likely that someone could get hurt. And then you're calling up, uh, 
you know, whoever from Hartford inspires the most confidence. I don't know if that'll be if uh, if Adam Huska comes back, if that's him or. Yeah, I just or I don't know, one of the uh, Barube or whoever they have uh, backing him up down there. Um, or, or, well, we just signed Keith Kincaid, too. So or uh, or, or or blockade. Uh, but, yeah, I mean. You know, it's it's definitely going to test the coach's mettle and just, you know, be taught. Because obviously goaltenders always want to play, whether or not they probably should be or shouldn't. They're going to, you know, Hank was the same way. They, they want starts. They want to play. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, I think, like you said, that might be the higher end. But I think Igor is one of, if not the best goaltender in the Metro. And I stand by that. Uh, I, like, so, I like those predictions. Exactly. So I think if anyone can do it, I think he's definitely capable. So I'm going to say you just gave me a nice old treat there, James. I got a nice, uh, a nice Twix bar. There you go. Hello, hello, hockey fans. My name is Nick Berlansky, host of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My co-host Nick Horwat and I talk all things Pittsburgh Penguins, from top news to game analysis and other unconventional hockey talk, we've got you covered. A team in the playoffs or in the play-in round won the first overall pick, and I wanted to throw my phone clear across this plane. Nope, nope, it, he yes? will. Yeah, see, there's your he hot will. take, got it. Where That's is? my hot take. <laughs> he will be a Hockey Hall of Famer, if not possibly first ballot Hall of Famer. That was just awful officiating, and who who was this this scrub that was officiating? Let me let me look it up real quick. Mark Rashi, <laughs> something like that. Oh oh, Recky. I just I just wanted to see him booming it from blue line to blue line, being the lines. That's all I wanted to see. Very few general managers have those type of players, let alone three players that you can easily say, if I don't trade them, my team will be better. So all I have to do is not make a move. And I get that's a foreign concept for Jim Rutherford, but you just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't do that. <laughs> New episodes every Monday. Tune in at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from. And let's go Pens. Uh, all right. So let's get on to the next one. The Breadman hits 100 points. Uh, well, first of all, happy belated birthday to our Tammy Panarin. It was his birthday yeah. yesterday. Um, happy birthday. We love him. We love the Breadman very much. I think with a, a shortened season, I think he's most likely uh, a. I don't think he replicates the heights he was at last year. This is a full eighty-two game. Oh, if he's playing a full eighty-two, I think he'll be. I think he'll be around it, but I could see. I I have a feeling he ends up with like ninety-seven points or something like that, which is still very an excellent season for him. But I don't know if he cracks a hundred this season. Uh, I I. Yeah, I just feel like at well, I mean, you know, it does depend on a lot though, because I mean, it depends on who they put him with. If is yeah. Strom Strom is probably going to come back, I assume at this point, you know, barring some major change. So I assume it's who they have playing with him. I mean, if yeah, I think it's honestly it's going to be end up being dependent on his line mates or who is opposite. I'm going to say it's going to be dependent on who that opposite winger is. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we assume it will probably be Kako with more confidence. And if he finally, you know, after a, a difficult uh, rookie year, if he kind of has a reverse sophomore slump and just kind of finally breaks out because he's finally been able to train and rest and just uh, get bigger and stronger. No. Then, then yeah, I think he can do it. I definitely think he's capable of it, but I think he's probably just going to, I think that's going to be a trick. I think he just in my, if I'm making a prediction, I think he falls just shy of it. 
All right. So I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, and, and this is, you know, when I was asking this question or, you know, when I foresaw the future and he hits 100 points, whether or not I'm tricking you or treating you is a different mm. story. But do you see a scenario in which they permanently move Zabanajad and Panarin together? Ooh, let's see. I mean, so especially if Lafreniere can kind of take on that, uh, you know, that ro- a higher role. And you know, really so, does add depth. Yeah, you know, than... that's true. So you, all right. So under the circumstances, we're imagining that Panarin and Mika on the first line playing probably with one of Buchnevich or potentially even Kako or or Kreider if he moved because Kreider can move over to the other one, I think, which would make Lafreniere. I guess that means Heedle has. I don't think. I don't. You know, I I don't know if they leave Strom second line center without Panarin. They probably do, but I know it's no secret that they've been hoping Heedle can grab that spot for the last two seasons now. So yeah, I think it. I honestly, I think at the end of the day, it depends more on because Panarin is has a better defensive impact than we give him credit for. Strom not the best defensive player. Uh, Lafreniere it'll be his first year in the league, so. I think it depends on if they're comfortable with the off the puck play of that line. Obviously you could have Foss there because he was a good defensive player, but with him being gone. Yeah. I think a few things have to go into place. Um, I mean, I think, I think Quinn likes having the option to keep them apart to drive lines and stacking them and putting them together when they need a goal. Uh, I do. I think that it worked so well last year. I just don't know why you don't do that again. Uh, I think, I think we'll probably see them playing together more this year in those moments. Cause it, you know, I think it, it, he definitely leaned on them more to do that towards the end of the season. It seemed like whenever they were down a goal, they put them together for a shift, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see that, but yeah, I think Lafreniere is the great, the great unknown and we don't know what his impact's going to be. And if he looks like a star immediately, it opens up a world of possibilities. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's great. Cause you can have now it's like, you can put him on the first line. If, if like, if let's say Kreider starts there and he's just not, not doing it, he's just being that Chris Kreider running around, not getting much done. Uh, you put Lafreniere there, then it, it lets you move. Maybe Buchnevich is having a, is not having the touches. You move him down with Panarin and then, yeah. So it's just like Lafreniere just changes the, the outlook of this team so much. So, and the landscape. So I, yeah, I think, um, I think they will play together more than they did last year. If that's what the ultimate, uh, I don't know if that would make it a trick or a treat. I think it makes it a treat. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they, I don't think they, I don't think when you go to daily face off that that's what those will be the listed lines. But I think, I think they will be paired up more. They'll get stacked more uh, during games when the team needs or wants offense. I definitely agree. So my next, my next little trick or treat for you is uh does mika zabanajad joins the 50 goal club oh i don't i think that's a trick i think mika is a good goal scorer but he's not a he's not really a power play guy and i think you your most of your 50 goal scorers are guys that have that ability to like almost be like a cheat code on the power play. And, you know, cause some, a lot of times they put them in the bumper spot in the middle, you know, Panarin's now taking plays off the wall uh, or Panarin plays down low. Now, if Lafreniere makes his way to the first, he's going to be playing on, on the off wall, um, you know, on his, or sorry, excuse me. He's going to be playing 
uh, he makes plays off the left wall, and then you would put either Kako on that right wall or Strom or whoever they want. You know, I, I've been thinking about how they're going to split up power play time because you have so many offensive uh, weapons now. Right. You know, Kreider always makes it because they like him in front of the net, as they should, because he gets stuff done there. Um, but, yeah, there's not going to be... You, you wonder if they're going to try to have more of a balance between both units because obviously power play two usually gets the short end of the stick and they're only out there when power play one isn't going, you know, or they've had a lot of chances and haven't gotten much done and Quinn wants a more direct approach. But yeah, I mean, you have a lot of, you know, Kako works really well uh, on both, I think on both walls, but he, he was pretty good working on the right wall so he can make passes across because he's not much of a shooting threat himself but he's a good passer. You know, he had a great, a lot of great bump passes to, you know, to either Panarin or to the slot. You know, he scored, I think he scored uh, two power play goals from that side. I know he scored one against uh, both, actually both Florida clubs. Cause he, he scored a power play goal against the Panthers uh, far post and in from the right side. Then he, he scored kind of a one that bumped, went off a few legs against Tampa. Uh, and then he also had that nice pass across in the Capitals game to Panarin who then wired it, you know, far corner. So yeah, it'll be interesting because Panarin and uh, between, you know, Fox and Tony being point guys or Truba with the big slap shot, they have a lot of options. It's just it'll be interesting to see what they put together or what ends up working the best and how they divvy it up. But unfortunately, to your this is a roundabout way to get to your question. I think Mika, unfortunately, I think without being a prime scoring option on the power play, which is kind of not his deal. I don't know if he, if it, if he, I don't know if it's possible for him to hit 50 goals, just being a torrid. Uh, I think he could definitely hit 40. I don't know if it's likely, but I think 50 is just out of reach for him. And that's not a, that's not a, you know, a dig on him though. Cause you know, obviously he's such a good goal scorer, which is great, which is because this team definitely uh, needs that from him, especially being a right shot. Yeah. And uh, he would have done it last year. I truly believe so. I mean, he had 41 goals in 57 games, which in a full, obviously, 82-game schedule, he is definitely over that 50-goal mark. Uh, and towards the end of the season, he was hot. So we know he can score goals in bunches, which is nice because it even if he's slightly below pace, you know he could have a two-week stretch where he could really, you know, uh, put some numbers up. Yeah. You know, I think, I think with Mika, especially – I honestly, with all of our players this season, the more offensive talent this group gets, the more they, they leaned on their top six so much last year. And I think obviously that's not what they want to do long-term. I think they want to be able to have, you know, I think it was such a rude awakening for them in the bubble, uh, how their top six was kind of neutralized. And the only, they were only getting, uh, their role players were the only guys that were making things happen, just playing a little bit more direct style. And that's what they want. They need Howden and Heedle to step it up. They need Lemieux to factor in a little bit more. Uh, they need, if Rooney's playing on the fourth line, they need that fourth line that can actually do some damage instead of just try to eat minutes for no reason, you know, and give your other guys a break. So, yeah, I think I think they're hoping that offense is spread more out, especially, you know, that you want Kako to get minutes, you want Lafreniere to get minutes, and that the more minutes those guys need, the the less minutes you're able to give to your your uh, big horses, or at least that you're willing to give because you want to develop those guys. But it's good news for Rangers fans because yeah, it's just, it gives, it lets them make maybe be more impactful on a shift to shift basis. Cause you can get your, your air under your more. You're not getting uh, double shifted. You're not, you know, you're not Panera is not going out there on his line and then immediately 
only resting for two line changes and then going out with Mika, you know, if you need a goal. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't think he hits it, but I think that's a uh, trick, but you know, I think if, since it's a trick, it ends up being a treat overall, because that just means you have uh, plenty of offensive options throughout the lineup. All right. My next trick or treat for you is the Rangers made the playoffs. Oh, I'm going to, that's a tough one. I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this. I'm going to say that's a treat. And you know me, I'm usually more of the pump the brakes realistic guy. Yeah. But the more that I look at some of the, you know, some teams, uh, I see Pittsburgh getting worse. Oh, I think they actively got worse. I think the Islanders with their being one year older and losing some important guys in the back end for no reason and being in a bit of a cap crunch. I think they're going to take a step back, even with their younger guys, maybe stepping up, but you know, it's one that their core is already older, you know, outside of Barzell, you know, Lee and Bailey and, you know, all these guys, I think they're just, it's, I think they feel like if the Islanders feel like a ticking time bomb to me, devils aren't ready yet. Uh, Yeah. I guess you can maybe argue Columbus. It will be a better team with just swapping Anderson for, uh, for Domi, but so they'll, they'll be in it. The Canes will obviously be a powerhouse. They might be one of the better teams in the, in the Metro. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think a lot depends on if they, if they redraw the divisions based on having a Canada only division just for travel reasons, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then it depends. It's like all of a sudden are the Bruins, a, a Metro team or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, continental East coast team. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know who they're, you know, Buffalo, you assume will finally be a little bit better. Uh, Panthers probably took a step back. Does, uh, does the, the lightning have a Stanley cup hangover, which happens so much? Yeah, there's a lot. I think the Rangers can definitely make it. I think they're, if I had to put money on them making it, I, I definitely would take that bet. But, um, yeah, I think it still depends on a lot that we don't know, but I'm going to say that's a treat. I think I believe in the goaltending. I think they have an excellent tandem, which I think will be one of the most important things to have coming into the season. And I think a lot of teams might be let down by that. Uh, yeah. You know, you saw uh, Toronto almost not being able to make the playoffs because they were riding their star into the ground because they literally could not trust their backup. Uh, and they all nearly missed out a season or two ago so, with Freddie Anderson. So, yeah, um, I think they make it. I think they're, you know, I think the only place the Rangers really are suspect right now is maybe you could argue they're, you don't know what your bottom six, uh, you know, their playoff the puck is good enough and you don't know if their defense will be good enough, but they can clearly offensively possess the puck and at least for the time being they play a style that's pretty conducive to success in the regular season it's just when things tighten up they just don't have the yeah they don't have the road miles under you know they don't have the shower time basically to 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 know how to to operate under those circumstances yet but i think they can still get it they're still a really good regular season team the new york rangers so uh but yeah i think they can make it so i'm gonna say that's a that's a big old it's a big old treat that's a that's like a king-sized uh, Butterfinger, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be, I mean, that's the mecca of all treats. I mean, you, yeah. you go to that, you go to that house uh, again, you circle around by the end, of, at the end of the night. Yeah. Uh, the, the three teams I really am curious about to see how they do in such a tight season is the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the New York Islanders. I'm very curious to see with their style of play, how and and with Pittsburgh is the move that they've made. I'm very curious to see how they turn out this season. I'm not sold on those teams all being playoff teams uh, or in the hunt again. I could see one of them really digressing, especially Pittsburgh. I think I think you're asking a lot 
out of Crosby and Malkin to carry that team. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lack of depth there. You don't know what they have in goaltending. Um, I just don't see the consistent consistency that you've seen in the past. And uh, I don't know if Malkin and Crosby are going to be built for a, you know, a, a really tight schedule. I think they're going to need some balance there. And if Crosby goes down again, like he does in a lot of seasons, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, Jim Rutherford had a very, obviously with the back-to-back cups, he, he hit, yeah, he just hit a, a winning combination with some of the guys he brought in, but then it looks like he kind of reverted to some of the things that has plagued him in the past, especially in his later years in uh, Carolina, mm-hmm. where he's trades for a lot of guys that have either been there before or because he's comfortable with them and he knows them. That doesn't mean they're the best. It just means he was, you know, was unwilling to take a swing on a guy he didn't know. But, you know, if he if he went through your fingers once and you're bringing him back, that doesn't usually work. That works sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, if you, that many retreads, I don't know, man. You're, that's a team that while you have, you know, obviously whenever you have Sid and, and uh, Gino and Latang, you have a chance because those three guys are still very good. But, yeah, I mean, father time catches up with everyone. You never know when it's just going to be that one season when you're like, oh, man, like Malkin only put up. You know, only I say this only Malkin only put up sixty-five points or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or you know, Crosby missed this much time again because obviously, if he's healthy, he's you know he's a easily an eighty-plus point player. But it, yeah, it just it's a lot. And he's you know, as he gets older, he's unfortunately he's going to get more, he's going to get injured more and more. He's not going to it's going to take him more time to come back. You know, so I agree. All right, let's uh, get into the next one. Um, the Rangers had four 20-goal scorers. Mm. Now, they had three last year. Um, uh, and and my predi- – my, uh, you go first. Am I tricking you or treating you? Uh, let's see. Four 20-goal scorers. I think – so who's a lock for 20 goals? I think Panarin is a lock for 20 goals. I think Mika's a lock for 20 goals. Uh, and that would mean – I think Kako, you hope he's a lock for 20 goals. Okay. You know, I, I would be I would be happy if Kako ends up being a 40-40 guy next year. Although some people are like, what? No, he needs to be like a 50-60 point guy. You know, I just think ice time. Uh, you know, I think Lafreniere is definitely the wild card there because he can shoot the puck, but he's also primarily a playmaker, but he just, he can be a dual threat. Uh, you know, you don't know how much ice time he's going to get. Uh but let's see how many, well, how many uh, 20 goal scores does the, the Rangers have last year? The Rangers had Chris Kreider. They had Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. Um, I don't see Kreider scoring 20 again. Okay. I just think with, I think because with the amount of, with Lafreniere getting added to the mix, I just think his, whether it's, he gets moved to his other side to make room for someone else. I just think it's going to, impact his offense you know or i think his role changes a bit you know he's got the contract he doesn't have to worry about going anywhere so i don't think he really gives too it's not like this is you know it's not like he's playing for his next contract at at his age now you know he's just doing what the team needs to win so yeah if that means sacrificing off his own personal offense to help other guys put up points i think he does that um you know i like i said I think if you, if you had that 18 with, uh, yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, if they have that chemistry again, uh, I, I'm going to say they definitely have three. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that's a treat because I think 
I think they have so many guys that are capable of doing it. Hell, how many goals did Tony have? Not that he, I don't think he repeats that, but, uh, uh, Tony had a lot. Tony had 15 for a defenseman. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I think, and Booch had 16. They have so many guys that are right on the doorstep. I think that's a strong bet to take, you know, cause Booch, we've been waiting. Booch could easily break out and hit it. You expect it from Panarin. You expect it from Mika. You, you probably at this point, you know, Kreider has, has done it the last few seasons, even if he kind of slips off a bit or whatever. There's so many guys that can make that jump that, you know, you'd have to bet on at least one or two of them making it. So I'm going to say true. I'm going to be in the spirit, festive spirit of, of Halloween. I'm going to say that's a treat. I think, I think you can, the Rangers can have four, uh, 20 goal scores. I think if that mean, if that happens, I think that means maybe the lofty totals, like maybe that means Mika is only a 36 guy. And maybe even Panarin's only like a 30, you know, Panarin becomes like a 37, you know, or, you know, whatever Panarin becomes like a, a 35, uh, 60 something guy, you know? Whoever yeah. he's playing with his line, which means his line mate also scored uh, twenty or whatever it is. Yeah, low key Heedle had fourteen goals. So there you go. Kid, he's another kid, guy. Yeah, if that kid breaks out. You can see him hovering around that twenty goal mark. And that's that's the beauty of of this rebuild is that all these guys are are so close, man. Like it's just yeah, it's it's never been a better time to to be a Rangers fan because it's just you have so much talent and just these guys are getting better. It's just I would you know I just I was thinking about this the other night. I would have killed to have. A, a farm, you know, all these prospects and all these young players that could break out at any moment. And that even though we're kind of like, oh, we're waiting for them to get there. You look at their, their total now and you're like, that's not bad. We had some guys that were like, how many years do we have journey 30, you know, two year old guys playing our team. And that was like their absolute peak. And this is these kids floors. So, right. Yeah. So it's exciting. Uh, absolutely. And you know, that's just the beauty of being a Ranger fan right now. All right. Uh, next trick or treat question is and this one kind of goes on along the lines of uh the playoff question the rangers make a the rangers made a big trade at the deadline and when i say tr- big trade a player that you know yeah. that everyone kind of pencils in to be a ranger and they are moved oh man uh yeah i mean because we haven't seen much movement uh, in free agency for the Rangers now, I think that makes movement towards the deadline more likely. And it could um, be a prospect. Yeah, no, I think I think the Rangers would. You know, I think that they've long said the reason they have all you know the the beauty of having all that draft capital is being able to use it to get address needs. And yeah, now they have another. You know, maybe a kid's having a re. You know, what if uh, one of Will Cooley or Veerling or man, even Matthew Robertson or just, you know, one of these guys are having a good season and you have a rebuilding team. And just if Anaheim is just looking to unload someone, yeah, like a Raquel or whatever, maybe Calgary misses missing out. <sighs> yeah, man, I could definitely see, I could definitely see the Rangers making a move. So I'm going to say that's a treat. I'm, I, I'm feeling very optimistic today, which, you know, is very rare for me, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the mask. It's like, yeah, it's, like uh, who is this mask man? Yeah. You know? Bizarro Andy going on. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think, I definitely think they make a move. I guess the question is to what degree is it? I think it's only, you know, it, would it be called a blockbuster? Probably not, but I think it would be, it's not going to be a superstar. I just think just for cap right. implications alone, but I think they could, they're move. They'll probably be moving it for a 40, you know, a solid 40 to 50 point guy, you know? Yeah. I could definitely see that. Especially I could most likely see them wanting that certainty down the middle. 
and some guy just becomes available. You know, Arizona continues to be a tire fire. You and I have long uh, lusted after being able to grab, uh, you know, Christian Dvorak as a middle six shutdown center. Or who knows? Maybe who knows what happens with Philip Deneau? Like, you know, yeah. we, we just don't know. But we the Rangers clearly need that guy, an older, more experienced. I mean, I say older relatively. Dvorak's still a pretty young guy, but a guy who knows what to do. And NHL, in, in yeah, in in the playoffs, in garbage time, how to lock things down because they they clearly have the offense covered. They just need more guys that can play within uh, the the tightness of the postseason and just not make mistakes. So that's what the what we we've all seemed to be lusting after, and I think that's what they would look to add. All right, we have three more three more. Uh, trick or treats left. Let's do it. All right. So Fox had a better season than Hughes and Makar. Uh, if the, I think if he's getting the ice time that I see, I could see the Canucks taking a step back next year. So I think he can definitely do better than Quinn Hughes. Makar, who knows? Because I think the Abs just got better again. Got better. You know they uh, they. They add Devontae's from the Islanders, who was a good get. You know, Joe Sackick's working his magic. They get Brandon Saad for fucking Zadorov because Stan, you know, Jesus, uh, Bowman's an idiot. Uh, yes, you know, Sackick worked his magic and they're a better team. So I think, I know he, I think he has a better season than Quinn Hughes. So I'm going to say this is a, I'm going to say this is a trick and a treat. It's going to be like when, you get that little like coin purse and you open it up and there's some, some like things in it you like, but there's also like that weird watermelon candy that you're like, what the fuck is this? And you throw that out. But there's like, but there's like mini Reese's cups in there too. So you take those, but then you take the watermelon, you throw it out. Cause you know, or you know, whatever, or uh, uh good and plenty. Like who, who the fuck likes good and plenty? You know? <laughs> exactly. It's like that. It's a yeah. little, so yeah, it's a trick and a treat uh, because yeah. I think he, he Fox definitely has a better season than, uh, than Quinn Hughes, uh, just be if if they do because I think they could take a big step back, and Fox should finally be getting more premier ice time. But uh, at the same time, who knows? Maybe they they try to pump Tony's tires a bit this season to to let him go, to, you know, because they they're dealing for position of strength and they feed force feed him ice time to get up, put up points and it's there's a lot. But Quinn, you know, I just think Makar with how dynamic an off- offensive player he is, you know, and we also we know that. As good as Fox is, his the reason he's so good is that he's probably the the most well rounded of. Well, no, the... take note. I didn't say he had more points than them. I just said he had a better season. Oh well, then yeah, then I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna okay. say clearly. I just think people don't understand what an impact he has all over the ice, and his uh, his micro stats are fucking insane. And just yeah, he just drives possession and uh, transition at extremely high rate, and is so much better defensively than you, the eye test might even leave you to believe because he's so good with his stick and he just does, he's so poised and so patient and just can break the puck out. And he just, it's not an issue for him and he's just going to be that much better. I think he struggled a little bit in the bubble with the, the little bit faster pace, but I think he knows that. And then he's too smart to not adjust. So yeah, I think if Quinn is leaning on him as much as he was down the stretch, then I think it's, it's a no brainer that he probably does have a better. So I'm going to say, I still think, you know, uh, McCarr can have a gaudy offensive season that would make the most people think he had a better season. So I'm still going to say it's a trick and a treat, but you know, 
I think it's you're really happy with the the treat you get in that little bag, just not so much with the the snow cap or the good and plenty or the oh whoa the, whoa yeah. whoa whoa you're throwing heat right now. This and the snow caps. My grandmother loved snow caps. I can yeah, never they're my go to movie really candy. Yes. Wow, snow I just are... I couldn't get over the texture like, but uh, hey, nice. more, more power to you. There's more right. more. I'll leave it there for you. You can All always right. have was, my snow caps. I was fine with the good and plenty, uh, but, but now that now low blow with the snow caps. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this is this is the last episode of the Broadway Boys Pod as we implode yeah, over. <laughs> yeah. Van, who snow caps broke us apart. Yeah. Uh, okay. So final two questions. Let's do it. Uh, to keep with the theme, Kako had a better season than Hughes. Uh, I'm going to say that's a also, man, look at me. That's also a treat. Uh, I think, you know, the devils, I liked what they did at the draft, but they're going to, they're going to put a lot on his shoulders next season. Uh, I think he sure is going to co- really come into his own next year, which is good, which means, you know, Hughes will probably be their second line center quite comfortably, but I just don't know if they're going to give him the supporting staff he needs. Uh, I think Kako is going to be stronger, insulated. I think there's less on his shoulders. I think Lafreniere takes so much pressure off of him. And if anything, it stokes a fire under him to be like, what am I now? Chopped liver. You get the, I, he was a shiny new toy and now it's not, now it's Lafreniere. And I think it just kind of allows him to like either, you know, either competitive fire or just not have to deal with expectation or, you know, I just think he's, he's clearly in a better situation uh, to succeed. But at the same time, I think it's one of those things that I think with a player like Hughes, I think you want him to be, to deal with as much adversity as he has to, because I think ultimately he'll be a better player for it when it's all said and done, just being that center that, you know, has to use the skating to like transition the puck all over the ice and like break the, you know, either break things up or back check or whatever. So yeah, I think Kako, I think it's a treat and that Kako will have a better season, but I think ultimately uh, having more adversity will be better for Hughes down the line. So, so Neil, I'm sure Villa piano from uh, the devil state of mind podcast. I'm sure he loves that, but uh, yeah, yeah, you can clip that and send it to him. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think Kako is just with, He's got better offensive toys to play with. He'll probably get more time with Panarin. I think it's right. a no-brainer. I think that's the ultimately the difference maker. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Panarin obviously will drive that line. Whereas I feel like wherever they're he, gonna, you, are you struggling under there? My uh, hair, you, my hair is now in my eyes, but I refuse <laughs> to take it off. I'm good. I'm good. All right. But all yeah, right, he, Hughes is going to be forced to drive his own line, whereas yes. Pan- Kaka's not going to have to worry about that. Yes, and uh, that's ultimately the difference maker. I agree. That's a treat. All right, last but not least, the last trick-or-treat I have for you is Lafreniere didn't win the Calder. Am I tricking you? Or I guess it's not a treat at all. Or is this a, uh, a snowcat in your world? Oh. So I'm trying to think who's coming in who could give him a run for his money. Uh, I mean, Byfield... I I don't I don't know I don't even know if Byfield is a lock to I don't know if Byfield plays in the in the NHL next year. Uh, although now we know that there's no contact in the OHL, so maybe he does, but he can't play in the A. Neither can Lafreniere, obviously. So they have yeah. to play in the. Uh, I think it's his to lose. Um, I'm trying to think if any defenseman who could make the jumps or a goal, you know, goaltenders never win the very rarely win the Calder. Um. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of like people that were drafted last year. Uh, you know, I, I, how many games do you need to to have played to be eligible for the Calder? It's like less than sixty. Yeah, I believe it's less than sixty. And the Doc play less than Kirby Doc play less than sixty. Well, I don't know what the rules are because a lot of teams only played like sixty-eight. That's games. true. I don't. So I don't know that. Also, who knows if you have someone come over from overseas who's already twenty-seven and is technically a rookie? Like Panarin yeah. run won a Calder or uh, Victor Olfson. Yeah, like twenty-seven years. Yeah, Panarin Panarin won won a Calder at twenty-five or 24, 25 coming to the Blackhawks. So, but listen, I think Lafreniere, the Calders is his to lose. Uh, and, you know, he's had nothing but time to train now and get stronger. He's already, I, yeah, I, it's, I think it's a, I, so was your question he, he does or doesn't? It, well, I mean, I should have phrased it that he did win the Calder, but I kind of wanted to say he didn't win the Calder. And then you, my plan was for you to end the podcast being, so positive and ripping me apart for saying that he didn't that he didn't didn't win the calder i mean listen it's like i always think i know who's gonna win it and then like we just said a a, an olafson or whatever a guy who's already 24 25 years old from another league or who took longer to get there comes in ready and usually wins it but i think it's his to i think it's he's coming into i don't think a first overall pick has ever come into a better situation than than this in a long time so it's his, I think it's his to lose, man. Um, and yeah, I, I, when I look, I'm trying to think of the field and I just don't, I just can't really can't see. Well, it's they, just, well, it's just Sturkin eligible for the Calder. Oh my God. Could you imagine? Uh, I yeah, mean, I, if, 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 if Lafreniere lost it, cause Shesterkin won it, I wouldn't be, I would not be that upset. Um, uh, who's the goalie for the Islanders coming in? Oh, and yeah, Sorokin. I mean, Sorokin, if they right. play such a stifling brand of defense that even if they can't score goals and they can win based on playing trap hockey with him, yeah, who knows? So definitely possible. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say treat. I think I'm because why start being negative now? It must be the mask. Uh, I think yeah. he wins it, man. I All think right. he wins it. I think he has the best, the best chance. All right. I, I Listen, I agree with you. Uh, I just feel like the position that he is within the lineup, he's not going to a total dumpster fire of an organization. He's going to one where he has the ability to be sheltered a little bit, and he also has the opportunity to, to shine. So it's almost like that perfect balance. So, yeah. Um, and I, I definitely think he'll win it. I think. No. Oh, absolutely. So. All right, that that's it for the the tricks and the treats I got for you. I nice. hope you had fun. Yeah, I I mean it was fun, and like I said, I I I'm, I'm usually uh more of, try to be more of a level headed realist or a pessimist, even as I've been called by by some people before. But uh, yeah, again, I don't know if it's the mask or the fact that I just genuinely do feel that this Rangers team, at least offensively, uh, I feel like they have a lot of offensive certainty, which kind of lend you can. You know whether or not that translates to postseason success, I'm not sure. Whether that translates to defensive success, I'm not sure. But I think they have enough. Uh, I think they have enough firepower to 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 make the postseason, and it, you know, or at least get out of the regular season, make it to the postseason. And I think they have more certainty in net than a lot of other teams. And, and yeah, I just think a rising tide raises all ships. So I think they have a lot more. They have a lot going for them, you know. And it, it's like it's like a lot would have to go wrong for them to at this point for them to at least not, 
you know, have some something to hang their hat on. Maybe they don't make the playoffs, but you know, they have some breakout uh, years from some of their rookies. Lafreniere has a great year. So if even if one, not everything comes to fruition, they still have a lot of uh, good stuff going on. So I mean, right? Yeah. Uh- yeah, and I, I go back and forth. Obviously, uh, I guess with my within my own expectations for this team. So uh, right now, I'm riding high. I definitely think they have a, a legit shot to make the playoffs. And but I, I'm going into this as a setup year. This is a setup year for the next yeah. five. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm not uh, I'm not gonna begrudge players with you know, failed expectations because yeah. you know what, this is going to be a unique season. It's going to be compressed. It's going to be, uh, you know, off the ice is going to be unique in terms of dealing with obviously the virus. So I'm not going to hold anybody to any crazy standards uh, or expectations that, you know, might be a little bit seen as an, an overachievement. So, um, yeah. all right, to wrap it up, I want you to sign us off giving, giving the viewers, uh, and listeners, your three favorite Halloween candies. Oh man, uh, let's let me think about this. James, are you are you trying to are you trying to get add someone to the chat? Nope. Hold on. It looks like someone's. Let me let me just take care of this. Just give me a second. Hello, <laughs> hello. <laughs> hi uh, hi. Is this it, who I think it is? What? Who is this? Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is James from the Broadway Boys podcast. Oh, James, it's me. It's Mike Doc Emmerich. <laughs> I just wanted to come on and wish you and your co-host, Andy, a happy Halloween. I'm a really big fan of what you're doing here. And since I have retired, I've had nothing but free time on my hands. My follow my wife around the kitchen and she said, Mike, I love you, but you need to get a new hobby. So I've been scouring the internet for the best hockey podcast, and I must say that yours is quite possibly the best. Well, I, I definitely want to thank you, Doc, and uh, I wish you all the best in retirement. Oh, well, thank you so much. And just, I wanted to come on and wish all the youngsters going trick-or-treating tonight, please be safe, wash your hands with two happy birthdays, maintain six feet social distance, and please wear a mask, especially a spooky mask. All right. Well, Doc, thank you for for dropping in. I mean, this is a pleasant surprise. I heard you asked Andy what his three favorite candies were, and I thought it might be nice if I shared my favorite candies on the air. I would much rather have your three favorite candies than Andy's. Well, let's see. My first favorite is, of course, the Werther's Original. The Werther's (laughs) Factory, dating back to 1925 in the caramel capital of the United States. Cincinnati. <laughs> My God. Candy oh. number two. <laughs> good and plenty. Now, I only like the plenty, mind you. I give the good to my lovely wife. She loves them. But I only <laughs> like the plenty. I What I like to do is to take one and suck on it over the course of six <laughs> hours until it slowly dissolves in my mouth. I, I, Candy I number three. <laughs> Do you like Starburst, James? I love them. Well, I don't. I like Now and Laters. <laughs> now and Laters are a great candy. And, and some would say overlooked because they get short shrift because everyone likes Starburst. But that's fine with me. <laughs> you know, Eddie Eddie in the booth will say, 
hey, doc, I got all these now and laters. Uh, my kids don't want them. Do you want them? And I'll say, with glee, I'll say, give them here. I'll have them. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I I'll give credit to now and laters. They're, they're underrated candy there, Doc. Yes, and everyone knows the best part is you can have one now, and you can have one later. Hey, hey Doc, I got one question for you. Oh, anything, James. Uh, would you mind give a little closing statement to our, our Broadway Boys podcast? Well, I can see what I can do here. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I remember a time when it was safe to play hockey. It was safe to hug your loved ones. It was safe to go over to your neighbor's house and borrow a bowl of sugar. But we live in different times now, and that's okay. We, there's not much we can control right now, but what you can control is being a good person, doing what you can to keep yourself and your loved ones safe, and most of all, please, please, absolutely respect the social distancing wishes of others. Thank you so much for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I never miss an episode. I tune in every Monday morning. And I also check out all the wonderful podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. So for perhaps the first and only time here on the Hockey Podcast Network and the Broadway Boys podcast, this is me, Mike Doc Emmerich, signing off. Have a happy and spooky Halloween, everyone. And if you have any Werther's Originals, send them my way. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.